This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Hi. <laughs> Good to see all of you. Good to be here this morning. We are continuing with uh, this series that we started talking about spiritual disciplines, those things that you can do that begin to draw you more closely into the purposes of God, deepen your experience. Two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Greg talked about prayer and and the centrality of that in, in our lives and communication with God and then with each other. This last week, Pastor Dave and, and Lydia, wonderful uh, time addressing the Word of God and its centrality in our lives and how necessary it is that we're anchored there. Today, I've got the privilege, the deep privilege, of getting to talk to you about yet another discipline that we all love and enjoy, fasting. Yay! <laughs> Someone... One of the staff members sent me a, an article when they knew this was the, the topic, and uh, it starts like this. Fasting is the kale of spiritual disciplines. <laughs> we know it's good for us, but we don't seek it out on the menu. And that's kind of the truth. Fasting has been around a very long time, and just about every religious practice has some version of this traditionally. Uh, fasting is abstaining from food in a purposeful way. It's intentional, but it's never just going without something. It's actually to try to add something into your life. It's a dedicated time that's designed to focus us on God and his role in our lives and ours with others. People uh, also fast by refraining from other activities and other things other than eating that are, have become significant in their life and have taken maybe a habit that they need to, to um, set it aside. But fasting always has that idea about it, that this is a time not just to go hungry, but to sharpen myself, for Christians especially, to sharpen ourselves and give our attention to the kingdom of God. This, this challenge is a challenging discipline, but it teaches us a lot of, about ourselves very quickly. Now, in historical Judaism, fasting was a regular practice. It, it carried over into the church. They just brought it on in and became a regular part of, of worship and culture uh, from the very beginning. Jesus made reference to it. Of course, his life started with a 40-day, his ministry started with a 40-day fast. That's supernatural at 40 days, but, but as he dealt with the enemy. But we also see making reference later on as he was talking about the the, the Pharisees, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, and how they would say, yeah, we do this twice a week. Well, that's, that's true. They did. That's what Pharisees did, fasted twice a week. But he was trying to make the point that fasting is a tool to center us and, and uh, uh, to point us in God's direction and not just something to give us status. See, I, I, there's nothing about fasting. It feels like a, just a weird thing to say that somehow I got status from fasting. But that's what they were doing. It seems that in this last century, the fasting has really waned in its importance. We don't talk about it very much. And, and uh, 
we no longer employ it as, as, a, as a weapon in the church's arsenal that somehow this makes a difference. So we have to talk about it again because it's in the Bible for a reason. How many of you know there's a lot of things in the Bible on purpose? Nah, there's just a lot of stuff there you ought to know about. And fasting is one of those things. It's all the way through the Old Testament. It's all the way through the New Testament. In Scripture, we see many different motivations and modes of fasting. Uh, We see different intensities of fasting. We see lengths of time. We see uh, difference uh, for priorities of what we're fasting for. Um, It's full fasts or partial fasts. Talk about the Daniel fast. But whatever the degree and and whatever the purpose is always meant to be a time when we engage with God at a more intense level, where we're giving time, uh, more time as we take it away from our eating, our food or whatever, and we give that time in in worship or that time in prayer and that time in, in reading scripture and putting ourselves as close as we can to the sinner. That's what it's for. While it's the stomach that usually feels the most immediate impact, it's really the the practice of of fasting is really going after the heart of the person who's doing it. So there's there's an exchange. Um, Here's a story I want to start with. uh, If you turn with me to Luke 2.36. This is kind of a, something that might, might help us get a little clarity on why we do this. Um, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So we've got her worshiping night and day and fasting and praying and coming up to them at that very moment. Now, the them is Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. They've just brought him into the temple. He's only about 12 days old. They're bringing him into the temple to dedicate him as, as uh, was supposed to happen for, for the Jewish baby, for the Jewish child. So that's the them there, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, this is a very telling story. What it's saying is that Anna's routine of fasting and prayer had given her a window into God's agenda. She began to see things. Among all the thousands of, in Israel who were looking for the Messiah, she was one of only a small handful who actually recognized him when he came. One of the few. In her familiarity with God, developed over those years of communion and prayer and fasting, she recognized and knew that the baby in Mary's arms was in fact the very one she had been praying for all of those years. She identified him immediately. See, fasting and prayer had opened heaven for her, and she became an agent and a voice for the new kingdom. Now, that's what we want to do. In fact, that's what we want to do with all of these spiritual exercises. We want to open heaven for you and and to make you an active agent of the kingdom of God. Fasting is designed to play a major role in that. Now, fasting in Scripture is connected to a lot of things. It's usually in conjunction with some other things, most often prayer. Prayer and fasting. You hear the two go side by side because, like I said, if you just fast, you're, you're just going hungry. 
You're supposed to be doing something else along with that. Prayer is, is, the, most, is the most common um, thing that, that scripture talks about. But it also attaches it to worship. It attaches it to times of repentance. It re- attaches fasting to times of crisis, uh, to times of preparation and, and breakthrough. Um, it, it's attached to releasing giftings and callings in God. It, it's, it's attached to seeking God. It's, it's for time of grieving. It's, it shows up regularly as a, a means of spiritual warfare. And it certainly has a lot to say about having a disciplined lifestyle. There's a lot of reasons to fast. They overlap, but I want to just talk about several of, of those that might be helpful today and then give you some, maybe give you some advice at the end. Um, number one, fasting strengthens relationship and dependence on God. This is part of why he gave it to us. See, how many of you would agree that we all need to know God better? Okay, not a very enthusiastic response, but <laughs> still feel like I'm talking to the right people. Yeah, I'm not quitting here. See, I think we all need to. See, well, fasting helps facilitate that for, for several reasons. Uh, Scott McKnight, in a book that he, he called, very cleverly called, Fasting. Yeah, he probably stayed up all night to come up with that. It's fasting, but he says, a more complete view of fasting suggests that it is a combination of our yearning to know God and our present state of not knowing God intimately enough that prompts the person to fast with the hope of encountering God. That's what we do. Uh, in the Old Testament, the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, of course, is an exile with a, with a, the, uh, with the largest group of, of God's people. And there are some people that come in, they've been down in Jerusalem, and they've seen the city broken down, and it's a haunt of wild animals. And the people who are living there are in abject poverty or in a terrible state of, of, of living, and they come back and they tell Nehemiah, who, who's got a responsible job in the government and access to the, to the emperor, and they come back and they tell him this story, and, and suddenly he, he's struck with this deep sadness. He's, he's got this overwhelming sense that, that if God doesn't restore Israel, none of us have the power to do it ourselves. God, we need you, and so in, in this, he begins to fast and begins to pray, and, and then he begins to confess his and Israel's utter need to, be, to draw close to God again. This is in verse 4, Nehemiah 1. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept, and for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you night and day for your servants, the people of Israel. Now, what's going on here? See, Nehemiah began to think that he was getting God's attention over something God didn't know much about. But in this distress, as he gave himself to prayer and fasting, his heart began to come in alignment with what God already had purposed to do. God already knew he wanted to restore Israel. He'd, he'd given it that word in, prophetic, in, in a prophetic word. He, he knew who he wanted to do it with. It's just that he wasn't in, in alignment yet. So that kind of agreement of being able to totally agree with God only comes about when you begin to realize that God really does have a plan and he really does care about you. But that's what was happening to Nehemiah in the most of this. Um, 
In this sorrow, Nehemiah was really having the intentions of God being born in him. He became the answer to his own prayer. See, Nehemiah would be the one to reestablish and, and reestablish uh, Jerusalem, bring people back, and, and begin to restore worship in the city. And fasting was a tool in that. See, God's advice, when he always says, draw near to me, how many of you understand that he's also, when he says, draw near to me, that there's also something suggested in that is you've got to leave that to come here. Fasting is one of those things that helps you leave that. The distractions in our lives, those things that, that subtract from our enjoyment with him. Fasting helps bring that stuff down. And that's part of what was going on with Nehemiah, Nehemiah getting, him, getting him focused. See, God wants things to be right between you and me. And he doesn't change. Somebody's going to have to. Fasting helps bring me in alignment. Joel, uh, uh, Joel 2.12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Um, this is God making things right and using you. Richard Foster in his celebration of discipline, says, because of the secularization of modern society, fasting, if done at all, is usually motivated either by vanity or by the desire for power. That's not to say that these forms of fasting are wrong necessarily, but their objective is different from fasting described in Scripture. Biblical fasting always centers on spiritual purposes. We got something we're getting right with God. When fasting is done properly under biblical direction, humility is always a byproduct. Here, here's a definition. Reliance on God is humility. Say it again. Reliance on God is humility. Fasting helps accomplish that. It helps us return to reliance on God's provision, his promises, and his protection. It clears our heads, and it helps us prioritize. All that fun and fasting with Pastor Tom. See, faster, fasting helps reveal our motivations. How many of you know you really cannot manipulate God? You do not want a God you can control. Fasting is not a hunger strike. It's not twisting God's arm to get what you want. But it's a practice, a humbling practice that, like Nehemiah, begins to bring us into alignment with what God has already purposed to do. See, it gets our eyes off ourselves and onto him. Jesus addressed this. Uh, and when he addressed it, he, he, he addressed the attitude that we have around of fasting as much as he did the act of fasting itself. In, in Matthew 6, 16, he says, when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. He's, re big, of course, making reference to the Pharisees here. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will, be, it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
This is a transaction between you and God, but he wants our heart right. See, fasting strengthens our relationship and reliance on God, and that is an absolute must if we're going to move forward with him. Here's another reason for fasting. Fasting is taking control of our lives. It helps get us back into place. It's exercising self-discipline. See, self-discipline is you taking charge of the things that have taken charge of you. Would you agree? See, as we regularly discipline ourselves to this kind of a, of a workout, we're, we're influencing not only just food in our lives, but other places where we've become vulnerable. Fasting is an exercise, self-control. It's kind of a healthy kind of denial. This is the kind of denial you are allowed to have. Denying those things that would want to take over in your life. All basic, does everyone understand that all basic human drives are given to us by a good God who designed them to meet needs, to enhance the pleasures of life, and to, uh, and to secure all kinds of human contact. But none of these things were meant to control or to define us, only to serve us. When we begin to serve them, it might be time for fast. Are you following me? Fasting helps us keep all our appetites in proper perspective. Food has its central place in our existence. It does mine, I'm suspecting it does in yours as well. So fasting seems to be able to distribute itself throughout all of our experiences and our, our life habits. It's very emancipating <laughs> to be able to tell your self-centered, spoiled psyche to shut up and sit down. It, when, it, when you say to your own life and body, I won't pay attention to your complaints and you will pay attention to me, you've done something. This is what David would say. We sang this uh, this morning when he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. What was he doing? He was telling his soul what to do. I was like, I don't care what you feel like, soul. Bless the Lord. When you fast, you begin to, to tell your body and tell your, your soul to behave and to get back in line. Um, these are the these are the things that, that begin to put things right in your life. See, fasting, here's, here's a mistake. Fasting doesn't make you powerful. It makes you weak, which gives God the opportunity to become powerful in your life. If your life is full of distractions and other things that are stealing relationship with the Lord, fasting is one of the things that breaks that and puts it all back into its proper place. The truth is, as sinners, we have, become, we have been more committed to the kingdom of self than we are to the kingdom of God. That's just true. Even as believers, that old tendency comes sneaking around pretty disturbingly frequent uh, basis. It comes back. Why do we get angry in traffic? I mean, or why do we get upset when someone seems to get more than we do? Or somebody disagrees with us? Or how about this one? I don't know why this one bothers me so much, but... Oh, that sounded like a confession, didn't it? Um, the guy comes into the restaurant after you, and they get served before you do. Do you notice stuff like that? I'm still on a spiritual journey, apparently. But why does this stuff bother us? 
I think it's because we believe that our little kingdom of self has been violated. Our personal plan has been subverted. Our space has been invaded. Our lives have been complicated by someone else's fiefdom. We don't like the disruption because we are now in the conflict of kingdoms. My kingdom in opposition to their kingdom. Or maybe even worse, my kingdom in opposition to God's kingdom. And I don't like it. Fasting was designed, given to us, to help us put all of that back in perspective. Helps me get off the throne, so to speak, and let the king take his seat. Fasting helps me just get a grip on my life again. We've already read these scriptures. Uh, they've popped up a couple of times already. You'll probably hear them some more in this series. 1 Corinthians nine twenty four. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. You be the one. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And then jump down to verse 27. But I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. How many of you know it's a good thing to have control over your own desires? An even better thing is when God has control over your desires. That's the point when fasting really helps. Something gets done under the demands of the, of, uh, and control and oversight of the Holy Spirit. Our lives really do have the, the capacity to begin to reflect God's true deposit, what he's really put into our lives. And in, in these practices, we become more available. And how many of you know when we become more available, we become more usable? That's how that happens. In the denial of self, we discover the power that God has invested in us, and we realize the spiritual potency that's been given us, and, and we realize our true usefulness. Zechariah, Zechariah uh, in his uh, uh, prophecy says, uh, this is the word of the Lord, which is rubble, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. How do you find that out? Until you've given God the chance. In disciplining ourselves, there's a sharpening of our ability to hear him. This is part of the story. Um, see, I want to hear God, right? I, I think we need to hear him. We have to hear him. That's part of the story. But how many of us have the competing voices in our head all the time? These other things that tell us that they're important, that they're first. You got to do this. You got to do that. So there's all of these different things going on in our lives. And see, I want to be able to hear God's voice over the voice of fear, or over the voice of accusation, or over the voice of guilt, or doubt, or need. See, I want to I close down these other sources of information and sharpen my own spiritual senses so I can discern his leading and recognize his voice among all the other competing voices in my head. Am I alone in this? You want to hear God's voice. Sometimes it means learning how to shut down the other ones that have had so much had so much privilege in your life. Fasting is one of the things that helps do that. All right. Fasting also focuses us outwardly. Um, much, much of fasting, as we've talked, has, has a huge impact on our inward spiritual life. But scripturally, fasting is also meant to focus us outwardly. 
Uh, it, in fact, almost as much is said about the effects of our fasting on other people as it says about effects on us. And I want to read just the granddaddy of all of the outwardly focused fasting scriptures in Isaiah 58, and it almost will be enough said on this particular topic. Verse 5, is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed? Or He's talking about the habit of praying with the you know, he says, for lying in sackcloth and ashes, is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable, acceptable to the Lord? He says, is it not this the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide your, the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Fasting begins to focus us on the other. And Christianity, folks, is a religion of the other. Finally, I want to just give you some, some helpful hints. Fasting with intelligence. Um, being thoughtful. And if you're going to start doing this, a lot of people confess after first service they haven't done, ever done it. One guy said, yeah, that's the tie between after I eat a dinner and I wake up and eat breakfast. And I, yeah, that's why they call it breakfast. But that's not what we're talking about here. So let me get, just give you some pointers. First of all, start simply. Just start with one meal, a breakfast, maybe two. Don't go all Mahatma Gandhi your first time out, all right? In fact, I read that uh, Gandhi fasted. He, he fasted informed by a lot of mystical traditions in India. But when he fasted, he never wore shoes. And, and so his feet became covered with calluses. And, and because he fasted so frequently, he was sometimes very frail. His fasting also caused him to have horrible breath. And so I guess you could say he was a super calloused, fragile mystic hexed with halitosis. <laughs> that one was dangerous. I was, I was not sure about that one. It's not, it's not easy being funny and talking about fast at the same time. It's really not. Okay, so start easy. Fast routinely. This is part of the, the, the benefit is the discipline. Like I fasted for years on Tuesdays and Thursdays, a breakfast or a breakfast and a lunch or breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But I did it religiously, so to speak, for many, many years. And instead of becoming a burden, it became something I looked forward to because I gave, I had that time to rededicate to, to prayer and, and, and other things. And I, it just became a habit. And over the years, I kind of got away from it, but I've, I've brought it back into my life because I realized towards the end of the year, even before we, I knew we were going to be talking about this, that, that there, were some, there were some things that were getting a little undisciplined in my life. And I needed to draw them back. So um, occasionally aim for an extended fast. Do the regular one uh, once a, a week or whatever is good for you. But, but aim for an extended fast. A, a longer fast are very revealing, but also very productive. First uh, lengthy fast I had was five days. I didn't know what I was doing really. And, uh, but I, I was working a f pretty physical job. I was working for, on a, a discovery site for U.S. Steel out in the desert. And, and of course, the five days I chose became the most physical day. So if you're working a real physical job, you might want to be careful. But I made it. 
I made it, and that was one of those watershed moments. I'd never done that before. I'd fasted a day or so and felt good about myself. But this is the first time I'd ever extended. But the extended fast began to help redefine where God was taking me. Um, so ex- uh, aim for an extended fast. Plan it. Don't just do it. Now, you need to know that your body is a drama queen. If you fast longer than one meal, your body is going to start saying, hey, you're killing me. I'm dying here. Don't you understand what you're doing to me? And, and you'll try it one time, and, and the voice in your head is going to be so loud that you're not, never going to try it again. But let me tell you, the drama queen body is also a liar. You're not going to die by skipping one meal. In fact, dealing with that voice in your head is part of the fun. And it's part of the discipline of learning how to fast. So don't let your body tell you what you're doing. Drink water. Uh, take, take some fluids. Very easy and dangerous to deplete the fluids in your body. I once did a fast for 21 days, complete fast. Two, three weeks. <laughs> it, the only thing it did is mess up my arithmetic. <laughs> three weeks. And um, by about two days, I, I began to realize, I said, Ben, something's going on here. And I realized I had been drinking. So I started taking a little bit. Of, I took a, a cup of hot tea in the morning, and I took a a cup of juice in the afternoon, but the rest of the time, I just began drinking a lot of water. Not to think my, you know, my body think that my stomach was full, but you just need to have it. Another thing I ended up doing uh, during that same period of time was I, I ended up having to quit coffee because coffee with no food, uh, you begin to, it's like a buzzsaw in your, in your head and the crash is horrible and it comes pretty quickly. If you've got physical conditions, um, talk to your doctor before you do this. Uh, if you've got some kind of physical restriction uh, condition, I talked to one lady who is obviously pregnant this morning. She says, is it okay if I don't fast for a few more months? I said, I think you're okay. <laughs> don't want to be responsible. But if you could do have some conditions of food uh, effects and taking medications, high blood pressure, diabetes, those kinds of things. Talk to your doctor before you do this because there may be another way for you to fast that, that's safer. All right? Uh, in in a, uh, a lengthy fast, your chemistry changes in your body. It, you, you, things get dull. You know, after the, the hunger pains kind of died down, uh, this dullness sets in and it, it sets in in your head. You know, the brain fog is a real deal here. And you get tired and you, need to, you just need to plan for this stuff. And, and go to bed earlier and get up a little later. But, but take care, even in the midst of this, your body is changing and, and um, it, uh, it's going to make demands. Some senses, especially smell, go into hyperdrive. Um, in fact, I thought that if the second coming has an aroma, it's probably the smell of baking, cooking on the fifth day of a fast. That's probably what it's going to smell like when Jesus comes back. Now, something like that. Uh, you will lose weight on an extended fast, but don't lo- use it as a means of, of controlling your weight. It's a terrible way to do it. Because as soon as you start to eat, your body says, here it comes, let's pack it on. You've been in a, your, your body's been in famine mode, and now all of a sudden, food is available, and so it starts like packing it away and hiding it in places you didn't know you had. So 
come off, uh, this is, I'll say this later, but come off easy, uh, easily and slowly and, and don't, you know. When I did that first five-day fast, I came off of it with a steak. Um, that steak just kind of sat there for two, three, four days, saying, what do you want me to do with this? And then when I finally did decide what I wanted to do with it, it, it was just downright ugly. Uh, it wasn't pretty. So, so be careful. Um, another thing, this is really important. Watch your attitude. Um, my wife helped me with this. Uh, when you fast, you become kind of edgy. You, you, or you're a little quick-tempered. Uh, you, you fire back when you don't need to. You, you get a little excited. You don't need to. I, I think this might be where they got the idea for that, that movie franchise, Fast and Furious. Might have come from this. I'm not sure. They laughed harder at that unless. <laughs> don't expect immediate results. Like, don't expect all your breakthroughs to come in the middle of the fast because a lot of times you're just, you're, you're just trying to get through this thing. The breakthroughs become evident later. Don't expect the 3D visions and all those sorts of things, but be patient in it. I already said lengthy fast slowly. Let me say this. Uh, two, especially this time of the year, if you fast, you're not going to have a lot of fuel for heat, so stay bundled up. You get cold quickly. Now, I want to say this last thing. In this day and age, it might be wise to consider fasting something else besides food that you've become dependent on, like your social media, like your phone, like your video games, like television, like sports, or anything else that has been absorbing your energies and resources and makes you think you can't live without it. Try, try fasting with salt or, or, or alcohol or, or those really flaky rolls with the icy on them from Perrin. <laughs> Not that I have a problem with that. It just kind of came to my head. Um, I once fasted, I did a sugar fast for a month. I just tried to get all sugar, red labels, did everything. I'd get sugar out of my life for a while because I have a little bit of it, just a little problem with sugar. Oh, um, just a little one. When I came off the fast, we, we had these fun-sized Milky Ways. You know, I don't know why they call anything that size a Milky or a, a fun size. It's not fun. You know, this is fun. This is not fun. But I had, took one of those things. I put it in my head. And it was like it exploded in my head. I got locked jaw. It was so sweet. I could not believe I'd been away from sugar. And I thought, man, I really do have an issue here. So... Find something that you can fast from. Maybe what you need to fast from is criticism. Or how about anger? Or maybe jealousy? How about fasting from politics? Now, now there's an idea. Maybe, maybe there's an attitude you need to pull, uh, you put yourself away from for a bit. And maybe discover that you maybe don't need that attitude anyway, after all. See, put your focus back where it belongs. Med Booker gives a summary of fasting by saying, fasting is a form of worship, an acknowledgement that we need God more than food. In all we do, the aim is to keep God on the throne of our hearts, the center of our lives, and the top of our minds. This is what the psalmist was saying, Psalm 19. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father, thank you for an opportunity to approach you. Lord, we're not without tools. 
Lord, we're not without things that can begin to change the balance of power in our lives. Father, prayer is available. The word of God is available. Fasting is a reality that we can begin to do in our own lives that Father can help us when we combine it with these other things. Lord, begin to put us back in in the will of God. Begin to help us hear the voice of God. Begin to make clear your purposes. To put aside, Lord, the other voices and the other things clamoring for attention and space in our lives. Father, help us in in these disciplines to, to put back in place the king who, the only king who has paid dearly to sit on the throne of our lives, may we do the work, Lord, to see him where he belongs. We ask that you bless us, Father. Bless your people in this week. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.